Hello and welcome back to Nostalgia FC podcast with me, Drew Hollins-Roberts. And myself, George Thomas. This is the podcast where we delve deep into the recesses of footballing history and obscure football players. Each week we'll have a guest on who will tell us their favourite 11, could be from anyone you've watched on TV to just people they've played with in Sunday League, as well as their super sub, manager, kit and stadium. Yes, indeed. Now, before we go on to introduce this week's guest, uh, we just want to address the international listeners that we have discovered. So, huge shout out to you if you're listening to this from Australia, France, United States of America, or Norway. 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 <laughs> we were just saying we can understand the rest of them, but Norway, we don't think either of us know anyone in Norway. So, no. So, thank you, Mr. or Mrs. Norwegian person. <laughs> So, this week's guest is Callum van Verkoven. He is a good friend of ours and has an extensive football knowledge, or so we think. We'll soon find out. So, without further ado, this is Callum van Verkoven's Nostalgia FC. Callum van, welcome along to Nostalgia FC. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, mate. How are you? It's nice Very to be well. here. Nice to be on the show. Yeah, we thought we'd um, we'd go back down to someone from our generation after last week's episode. <laughs> yeah, we need to we need to take a step back. I think. Yeah, no offense, Glenn, but we need to have some players we know. We'll uh, bring it back to the present, shall we? Yeah, that made us look a bit dumb that episode. So we're gonna <laughs> hopefully bring it back with this one. It was the episode for Google, wasn't it? Definitely. All right, Cal. Who do you support? So I am a Wolves and England supporter. <laughs> the new uh liverpool feeder club by the looks of it yeah i'm a big fan of yeah, that supposedly yeah diogo, diogo is the boy diogo the mighty diogo a, big, a lot of love for diogo jota from my way at the moment <laughs> so, i'd love it if when this comes out he's got he's gone down in quality <laughs> ah, it's international break it's fine uh, it was just when i said to him as well like uh, you know, I'm not that fussed that he's left. He's he's kind of stopped goal, scoring goals for us recently. And then next game, he comes on, he's scored, what, four, three games or something stupid. Yeah, he has started his career very nicely at Anfield. And I'm, I'm here for it. <laughs> right, Cal, so we're going to dive straight in here. Can you please give us your formation for this team? Formation. So I have gone for a 4-3-3. Nice. With nice. a holding central midfielder. Oh, lovely. You yourself, obviously, fancy yourself as a bit of a holding midfielder? Uh, I like to think <laughs> I can I can play anywhere in that midfield, to be honest. Realistically, probably not. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I try and play in the centre a little bit. CDM, yeah. centre mid, centre attacking mid. You're the, you know me. The midfield maestro for the Mighty Baker's dozen. <laughs> Careful now. I won't get out of the door in a second. <laughs> <laughs> right then. We had the formation. Hit us up with your goalkeeper. So in goal, I've got a player called Callum Burton. I'll be surprised if you've ever heard of him. Uh, he did play for Shrewsbury. I'm not, I think he's been out alone on a few, in a few places uh, since then. A few small clubs. I'll say small clubs reasonably big clubs but um so i actually know callum through my uh junior football playing for 
Nova Football Club uh, in Newport, South and Rican. And um, this guy was playing in goal for us between the ages of probably eight and I want to say 13. And um, we won a lot of games because of this guy. He was head and shoulders above anyone else that we ever played. And he was just unbelievably good in goal. Hence why he went on then to play for Shrewsbury, scouted by um, whatever club he was scouted by. I don't actually know his history that well. We've not exactly stayed in touch, but big up, Callum, wherever you are, because you <laughs> yeah, nice. made our uh, youth football experience a lot nicer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me and Drew probably had a worse worse experience of youth football, but uh, yeah. Yeah, our goalkeeper was decent. First, first guest, Owen Quiller. Shout out. Yeah, <laughs> you always, you always have, don't you? You always have that one player for your, uh, for your team when you're that age that is like absolutely head and shoulders above the rest, though, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's exactly. always one. So, just had a quick trip down Google Lane again. My favourite yeah, lane to go, go down for it. Callum Burton is currently playing for Cambridge United. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's he's a bit of a journeyman. He's been around. Yes, yeah, yeah. A, a lot of loan deals. He was on the books for at Hull when I loaned Salford City, Chesterfield, Ooh. and now he is at Cambridge. Interesting. Uh, he's actually probably the only player that I've played with who has then gone on to, you know, play for a reasonable size club. So yeah, I think that was the reason I put him in my team. Well, that, that was probably one of my easiest, uh, yeah, easiest placements a, as well. Bit of a claim to fame name drop, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> he's actually also been capped by England at under sixteen, under seventeen, and under eighteen level. So he's okay, yeah, standard. Yep, definitely. Nice. Well, there you go. Right, so we'll move on to your defence. Uh, depending which side you want to start, we'll start with one of your fullbacks if that's right, Gal. Okay, we are going to go with the left back. At left back, we have Giovanni Van Bronckhurst. Ooh, <laughs> yes. Okay. So he's gone in my team. Bit of the Dutch influence, I think. Obviously, being uh, an eighth Dutch or whatever I worked it out to be um, (laughs) (laughs) a few weeks ago. Has a bit of an influence. I've liked watching the Netherlands football for, you know, this World Cup probably. The uh, 2010 World Cup was uh, where I really enjoyed watching the Netherlands play. Obviously, they got to the final of that World Cup but during that World Cup Van Bronckhurst I don't know if you remember this scored an absolute thunderbolt versus oh, Uruguay unreal and goal a crazy crazy goal and I'll still watch that goal every now and then when I feel down <laughs> just because it is insane I think as well what was amazing about that goal is he was coming towards the end of his career at that point he must have been in his mid-30s yeah and I remember that goal like from Left to right, just absolutely smashes it, top bins. Yeah, it was top right corner, absolutely smashed across it. And just an insane goal. And, and you know, that squad was like, like I say, he's coming towards the end of his career, but it was kind of the end of a generation, I guess, for that Netherlands squad. And you're looking at like what Wesley Schneider and like Mark van Bommel being in there as well. Yeah. And yeah. just just absolute workhorses, really, that, that team. I'll always remember that final against Spain, Watching Nigel de Young drop kick my beloved Chabi Alonso, yeah, square in the chest, and it was like, yeah, what of it? Yeah, he didn't even it didn't even bat an eyelid, did he? Really? No, that that tournament, I seem to remember the Netherlands played the best football out of any team, and then they got to the final and just thought, nah, 
sack that off. We're just going to bully Spain for 90 minutes. And it did not yeah. work out for them. Yeah, because Spain, like, Spain just held the ball, didn't they? And I'm pretty sure when that incident happened with De Jong kind of trying to take his head off, was uh, we were down by a goal or two maybe. But he, he, like I said, they just didn't play the football they went to play and a bit disappointing for them really. But Spain obviously deserved it at the end yeah. of the day. I seem to remember that it was an English referee. It might have even been Howard Webb. And I, seem I think to remember it was, wasn't it? He didn't send him off because he didn't want to lose control of the final after <laughs> he drop kicked someone. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's not even getting past VAR realistically at the moment, is it? Oh, Jesus, no. Ben, do you want to go full back to full back or do you want to work your way across the back line? The choice is yours. Uh, let's work our way across. I'm going to go for my left-sided centre-back. So at left centre-back, I have a player called Sebastian Aratia, an amateur player that I played for for and with. He was kind of our player manager at um, a team called the Wanaka Braves or Los Bravos. And um, he playing in New Zealand is obviously uh, a completely different experience to, uh, to what it is over here. And um, the amount of international players that, would travel, you know, and, and play football whilst they're away was was pretty crazy. So we had a lot of um, South American influence in our team, hence the uh, Los Bravos nickname. And uh, fortunately for us, Seba could uh, could speak English and Spanish, which was amazing. He he brought the team together for us, and really kind of brought it home for us. He was yeah, uh, a bit like a glue player. for that side. Yeah, definitely. He was a play anywhere guy. Um, but I remember one particular game playing on a maximum side pitch, size pitch. And this pitch was literally like as big as you could make it and just unbelievably huge. And he played centre-back and had a, an absolutely great game and even scored the pen in that game um, because no one else wanted to take it. But um, <laughs> yeah, great guy. And uh, yeah, he really made me feel at home in that team. And I'll be forever thankful for that because it's uh, it was definitely a tough tough coming into that team and after when I left I, I didn't want to go to be honest Fair enough just um, just because I, I didn't know about this and I'm assuming a few of our listeners won't what was what, what the story behind you being out there then? Um, so I originally just went out there travelling with my girlfriend at the time and um, oh, Fair enough I didn't I didn't even think to be honest um, like that I'd be playing football and then um, I met another friend of ours uh, mine and Drew's called Kedri and uh, he was out there at the time and he told me about this team and he played for the same team. So, you know, it was just a natural progression, really. Um, went to the local um, thrift shop, picked up some boots for, I think, $5 they cost me. And, and, uh, oh, God. Yeah. And they, were, they were actually nice boots, you know. They were um, like Nike Tiempos. Oh, those Tiempos. Yeah. yeah. But uh, they were great. And they saw me through a, a whole season out there. It never rained and it was ridiculously hot. And I remember playing football in like 35 degree heat and no wind. And it's a it's a completely different game out there. I haven't sweated so much in my entire life. Shout out to you, Sebo Aratia, wherever you may be in the world. If you listen to this, big up. My man. Should we, uh, should we move on to your, your right-hand sided centre-back then, Carl? Okay, at right centre-back, we have Connor Cody. Liverpool legends. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so, 
I've gone with Cody and my original thought when I put him on my team was captain straight away, you know, leader, great guy, you know, and the sort of person that everyone will get along with, uh, uh, similar to, to Seba in a way, I guess, um, obviously with a bit more footballing talent, no offence. Um, <laughs> this season and last season have definitely been his breakthrough season for the Wolves. Uh, he's been at the club just over five years now and uh, just his style of play, the way he brings the team together and I've got a lot of love, a lot of time for him. And yeah, I really look up to him in a way because uh, yeah, I, I wish all footballers were, were like him. He seems he's like just those, down to earth, isn't he? Yeah, he seems like one of those characters in the dressing room where you, you want to have him on your team. Like He's just like level-headed, doesn't get phased by anything. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not well, yeah. as well, like. I just I thought he was older than uh, twenty seven. Yeah, I, uh, I I was I googled him the other day, and yeah, he's he's not even that old, is he? I was like, you know, no. he, he might be coming towards the end of his career, but no, he's he must have been a so he's been at Wolves what just over five years, so you no, know, he would have signed when he was what twenty twenty one twenty two maybe. Yeah, no, I, I same as you, I thought he was older than he is. Yeah, um, he's only just recently got a cap for England, isn't he? Yeah, I was I was talking to uh, my flatmate about this yesterday. I was looking at the team. I didn't watch the England game last yesterday, but um, I was looking at the team and I'm just thinking, how is Cody not in this team? You know, they're even playing three at the back or five at the back, depending on how you look at it. And uh, yeah. no Connor Cody. But um, unfortunately, he's been in, co- in contact with someone that uh, has had COVID. So he had to pull out of the squad, which is unfortunate for him. So, yeah, I was yeah. going to say, I, th- I thought it was COVID related why he wasn't in the team. Yeah, yeah, it turns out it was, but... I won't put it past him getting his getting his chance again, uh, no. especially if if Gareth Southgate is going to stick with that five or three at the back. Yeah, and with Gomez being out for so long now, you can imagine that he's got a real chance to stay claim for a starting position in that team in long in the long run. Yeah, oh yeah, he'll come home. He'll be a partner to yeah. Virgin no time. Is <laughs> uh, that funny? Would cl- you? Of course, yeah, he's class. I think um, he's a great player. I think there was that funny clip of Jamie Carragher winding him up the other day where they said that Liverpool are interested in bringing him back and he was like, really, yeah. what? Yeah, said the same thing. Put him <laughs> yeah. right under the pressure there, didn't they? His, his face lit up. He was, he was excited. He wants to come home. <laughs> excited or embarrassed? Uh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Either one. We'll take it. <laughs> right. Strong looking team so far. Let's see if you carry on with this trend with the right back. Right back. Okay, so right back, we have gone for Alessandro Florenzi, Ooh, the uh, yes. ex-Roma captain, currently at PSG, I believe. To be honest, I don't know a lot about Florenzi, other than back in FIFA 17, or sorry, unnamed football game. Hey, mate, it's in the BBC, you can, you can name it. <laughs> uh, he had an insane footies card. Which I just thought at the time, if this guy actually played anywhere near these stats, he must be an absolute baller. And I remember going completely out of my way to gain that card. And it was just as every bit as good as I thought it was going to be. I've seen a few of his highlights and stuff, and he looks like a bit of a baller. So um, I've gone out on a whim, I'd say. Not knowing him too well, but definitely thinking this guy has the potential. And again, I believe he's still quite young. And potential First, to go far and let's 29. see. Twenty nine. Oh, older yeah. than I thought then. Yeah, I didn't but, think he's that old. Either I know he was the Roma the Roma captain, what, before he signed for PSG, 
whether there's been a falling out of some sort that I don't know. But let's see if he can uh, do some bits for PSG along with uh, the heavy hitters at that team. Yeah, yeah so he, he's actually still technically a Roma player because uh, he got loaned out to Valencia and then he got loaned out to PSG. So I don't know if he's ever going to go back, but... That does we'll mark, that does mark a significant event on this podcast. You have named the first player based on a video game. Thank you, Callum. No worries. Shows <laughs> how how weird and wonderful this podcast can be. I've yeah. actually got him. I've actually got him uh, on the latest FIFA on Ultimate Team because he had a ones to watch card and I packed it. Nice. Yeah, he's like eight four it... overall, Usman. Nice, and he's got like a really even stats, hasn't he? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Really I remember just player. like looking at him, and every time I'd start the game, I'd switch him to centre mid because he's just wasted a right back. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, I think yeah. he did come up through youth ranks as a central midfielder, and then as he got a bit older, they moved him onto the right hand side because he was on the right hand side of the midfield cent- centrally, and then because he used to play five at the back, and then they just moved him back to right back full time. Uh, okay, makes sense. Right then, right. Um, at CDM. Now, probably my favourite position for any player. And I wanted to choose someone that I was completely inspired by. But I think what I've actually done is gone for a bit of a money ball here and uh, gone for Gareth Barry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, all right, fair enough. So Um, I've gone for Gareth Barry. Most tackles, most passes, most appearance in Premier League history since it was started. And that is why I've gone for him. Because... You just, I remember watching him when I was younger and back in the day when, you know, he was at City and, you know, he was just absolutely solid. And obviously everyone has their ups and downs in their career, but he's definitely been my uh, my money ball pick there because his stats don't lie. That's through the roof, aren't they? He's a very similar player to James Milner, I would say. And I think that says a lot because I believe that him and James Milner are two of the players that have the highest number of appearances in the Premier League, which I think speaks yeah. volumes of how valued they are by by big teams. It's not like they're just playing... I mean, I know Gareth Barry played a lot of his career at Aston Villa, but he did go to City, had a big yeah. impact at City. He was linked with Liverpool when they sold Alonso. We bought Aquilani instead. What a stupid idea that was. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Gareth Barry, he could play on the left, play in the middle. Yeah, great servant to Villa, City. Yeah, just an all-round great player. Yeah, definitely. And like you said, definitely liken him to to, to Hammers Milner because uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Milner does uh, overtake him stats-wise, maybe at some point in the future. Maybe not in all those categories, but Milner stays fit and, and healthy like he is at the moment. There should be no reason why, why you can't go on to uh, match some of those stats, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He, um, he announced his retirement only like a month or two ago, didn't he? Gareth Barry? Yeah. Yeah, there you go. 27th of August. Oh, fair play. Retirement from football. He was playing for wow. West Brom. West Brom. Oh, yeah, he did the season of champions. Uh, oh, Cal- West Brom, was he? You have to take him out of your team now. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. He'll, he'll, he'll stay in there. <laughs> Just hope no other Wolves fans... If he, if he wants this. to go and play for a shit club, though, he can go and play for <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> Love it. Come at me, West Brom fans. <laughs> right, there's only four of them, and I don't think they listen to this podcast, so you're all right. Yeah. <laughs> Unless they live in Norway. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Mr. Norwegian West Brom fan. Yeah. Cult right. following West Brom. We've got a cult following in Norway. 
And on to your second central midfielder. So it's just an out-and-out central midfielder, what are we saying? Uh, yeah, we're going with two central midfielders because my front three are a bit of a... Yeah, I don't think they'd fit in with a cam. So, yeah, we've just gone for two standard central midfielders. The first one being Johan Cruyff. Now, uh, the reason I've gone from Johan Cruyff is partly his kind of revolution of the Dutch national squad and going for that 4-3-3 and then also that being my formation as well. And uh, Johan Cruyff obviously was effectively a manager on the pitch. And he, you can't beat, you know, his accolades and, and what he's done. And a bit unlucky, really, to not have seen him more as a manager, in my opinion, and uh, to see what his football brain was capable of. Yeah, absolutely unbelievable player. One of the best in history, I would say. And yeah. also, the inventor, or is attributed to inventing the legendary Cruyff turn. The legendary Cruyff turn. Which is something that, me personally, I love to do. Yeah. <laughs> One thing I can do on a football pitch is Cruyff turn. If nothing else, Cruyff turn. You've got to yeah. be some sort of player as well to have an actual skill move named after you. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. But, Unless um, you're, you know, McGeady. Wasn't there the McGeady spin? The, the McGeady spin. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely but, was not good enough to have a skill named after him if he's playing for Preston. No, I mean, no, as, soon as, I, as soon as I said it, I remembered that one. I was sort of like, oh, never mind. Back at Spartak Moscow, ripping up the Russian league. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Johan for just... I'm, I'm gen- personally gutted that I never got to see him play, either in person or, you know, in the present. Um, can only watch his sort of highlights and, and hear stories about how he was or how he played. I'm sure whoever you talk to, there's not going to be many arguments that Johan Cruyff is definitely one of the... Uh, one of the greatest of all time. Yeah, absolutely. Like, there's no arguments with that. He is he is up there with the best. Definitely one of the most iconic players the game's ever seen. Yeah. Cool. Well, so, sure. from Premier League icon to international icon, who is your third central midfielder? So, we're actually going back to another Premier League icon. Uh, you'll like this one, Drew. Uh, we've gone for Steven Gerrard. Ooh. You're speaking my language. Yeah. So, uh, I struggled. This was probably, no no offence to Steven Gerrard, but this was the last pick in my team and I really struggled with it because central midfield is, there's so, so many options. The reason I went for him in the end is because back when I was probably around nine, ten years old, um, I went with a friend and his dad to watch Wolves under 21 versus... Liverpool under-21s at uh, Telford United Stadium. And uh, I remember distinctly my friend's dad was a bit of a gift of the gab, let's say he had, and uh, managed to sneak us in without paying, um, which was great because we went on then to see Steven Gerrard play as he was coming back from whatever injury he had at the time. And I remember he, he must have only come on for the last... 25 to 30 minutes but he was insane to watch and you know as a 9 10 year old watching a a player of that quality play against what is effectively your own team 
and then to just go on and see you know how again leaps and bounds they are above everyone else and I think that's a real credit to to Gerard as a player about how good he actually was and um I've never seen him play since then and that's the only time I'll ever see him play but um, yeah well we all know that I could sit here and do yeah. <laughs> a whole podcast series yeah. on, just about Steven Gerrard <laughs> on the wonders of Steven Gerrard he was my idol growing up I love him more than any other man that I've ever loved and honestly, it's one of them things where everyone has that argument, who is better, Skulls, Lampard, Gerrard. I don't think that argument will ever be settled because every team has their individual version of Steven Gerrard, just the icon. Yeah. And yeah, in my in my opinion, Steven Gerrard is the best Liverpool player of all time. There's been some greats, but no one's of done it. Of all time. Of all time. No one's done it more consistently and for worse Liverpool teams than him. Steven Gerrard played with some terrible players, but still was a world-class player in and out every week. Never put in half a shift. The only time he put in half the shift was when he came on at half time against United and got sent off after 30 seconds. Yeah. I love <laughs> that's another iconic moment. Why not? If you want to come on and just scythe down Nanny or whoever it was, crack on. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he could do it all. Every, every, I, anything um, in a football pitch you could think of, Steven Gerrard does it. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And it, like, I'm obviously not a big fan of him being a United fan, but the very fact that I hate him shows you how good a player he was, though. Because you would hate to come up against him. I remember in that game that you're on about as well, he was coming on, and because I, I think were we winning, because I think that's why he came on with such. Um, I think he, was, he had a bit of anger behind him, didn't he? And he just stamped on. Um, uh, I can't remember whose leg it was, but um, I remember when he was coming on then that I was terrified. And he's a fantastic player. You've got to say, even though there's a big rivalry going on there, he's a fantastic player. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said do it all I'm pretty sure if my memory serves me correctly and now it's over 15 years ago he must have had it I remember him having a shot from I think it was probably about 35 plus yards and rattled the bar and I remember just him effectively just putting the whole stance into into silence let's just say there wasn't very many (laughs) Liverpool under 21 fans there but um, it was filled with Wolves fans and you just watching all. You can't even be angry at it because he was just, just so good. Yeah, he's got he's got a hell of a um, goal reel, hasn't he? If you if you oh, start yeah. a YouTube video on him for Stephen Gerrard's goals, unbelievable, unbelievable. Uh, I think the thing about Stephen Gerrard as well was his intensity. That's a thing that people don't talk about. Like, it doesn't matter who he was playing against, he's putting it in. So I've got a bit of an anecdote with this one. Obviously, I have about Stephen Gerrard. Uh, so. Uh, the season after we won the Champions League, 2005, we, for some reason, I can't remember why, we had to go through the first round of European qualifying to get back into the Champions League. So we drew TNS. There you go. In, in the, uh, in the uh, Champions League, I think it's like the second qualifying round. So uh, me and my dad went along. So me and my dad went along to watch TNS versus Liverpool thinking, all right, gonna have the kids out we'll just put out a b team but rafa benitez was like no nah, not having that start steven gerrard steven gerrard comes on bangs in a hat trick does not ha- like show any mercy like, it's like he's playing like united champions league final he doesn't care he's doesn't matter if they're tns or anyone he's playing top of his game bangs, yeah. in, a, bangs in a hat trick comes off doesn't even get clapped off he just walks off he's like yeah i'm done back to change room see you next week unbelievable player 
and like you say it's it's mad isn't it that you you can have that intensity and and almost a sense of like if you look at him there just walking off not even getting clapped off no celebrations or whatever you know and just thinking oh, he's just here to get the job done but you know actually his underlying passion for Liverpool and you know being the player that he was for Liverpool and just showing his full commitment to the team is you know anyone would be happy to have a player like that in their team yeah absolutely I think as well his footballing brain is a big thing because if you look at him now managing Rangers and they're running away at the top of the Scottish Premier League they're unbeaten in the Europa League as well you know quite tough group so obviously he's got that footballing brain which obviously he always had but it's interesting to see Um, now that he is just and people people will argue as well that um, the Scottish League is obviously an easier league for Rangers and Celtic but they've got to remember that Rangers weren't like they went down, didn't they? And they weren't up there with Celtic until very recently. And that's, yeah, a lot of it is down to him. Yeah, right. Before this becomes a Stephen Gerrard show, which, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to let it, I'm not going to let it do that. A separate podcast because uh, that will be one of the specials. Don't worry. Remember that time uh, yeah. you slipped. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we, we nearly got past it as well, George. We so nearly no, got there. I, I've, I've put two, I've put two in there. But <laughs> see, what you forget is I do the editing, so that's not going in. All right. Yeah. <laughs> this does not slip now. <laughs> yeah. let's, let's crack on with your forward, Scallum. Okay, so uh, let me just check which side I've put him on. So at right wing, we have the streets will never forget Adel Tarrat. Adel Tarrat. <laughs> so wow. his stint at QPR between, or was it kind of 2009 to... 2015, I think he went out alone towards the end of that, but um, oh my god, he has just the most natural ability for making players look stupid and knocking it past people and just effortless you know, he's not blessed with athleticism and I think he got quite a lot of critique, you know, for that especially uh, towards the, the end of his, like towards kind of the middle end of his career. I think he's still playing at the moment, actually. But, um, you know, like I said, he's not blessed with athleticism, but he could still go past players unbelievably well. The super skill, the, the silky feet, you know, if that's what you enjoy watching, there is no one better to watch, in my opinion, than adults wrapped. If you, just his highlights, just unbelievable to watch. Yeah, his close control uh, is up there with the best I've seen. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, the streets will never forget you, Adelta Raps, if you're listening. <laughs> Adelta Raps, if you read his career, it's quite impressive, to be fair. Obviously, then you have to know that it hasn't always worked out for him. And then you look at the appearances made and it definitely hasn't worked out for him. Yeah. So he starts at yeah. Lons in France and then he goes to Tottenham. And then from Tottenham, yeah. over three years at Tottenham, he made seven appearances. Wow. Then he goes to QPR and then he has a successful stint at QPR twice on yeah. loan and then joins them permanently in 2010. 26 goals in 109 games. Not the best, but he does well. He yeah. goes on to Fulham on loan and then joins AC Milan on loan. Yeah. <laughs> and then signs permanently for Benfica. And now he's gone out on loan again to Genoa. But yeah, he is. Um, Actually, no. He he went out uh, from, from what I'm looking at. Unless unless I'm, this is wrong that I'm looking at. He went out to Genoa 2017 to 18. He went back to Benfica and he's playing for Benfica B. Yeah, you're so right. I, I don't know. If Benfica B is in in the same. Interesting. Um, yeah. It'd be, I've it'd just be seen like as well. 
like Barcelona be, won't it? It'll be there. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Their, their second team. Um, national side wise, he <laughs> he played for France in the in the youth system and the 19s and then 17s. Then realized, I think, must have realized he wasn't going to get in the France side, so uh, so went for Morocco. It's these North Africans, mate. They're so techy. And there's 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 play North African players. They just a lot of them are like look at look at players like Mo Salah, Riyad Mahrez, Hakim Ziyech. They all have that air of like, I'm gonna knock the ball past you and I'm gonna make you look silly if you're not careful. And it's I the think cockiness and the confidence behind it, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And Tarapt was kind of not not the first player to do it, but definitely one of the best yeah, players of, to do it. One of the first, yeah, I'd say. He's one of those players, like I said, the streets never forget. Even if he had a subpar career, there were moments in there that made you think he was going to be a world beater. Yeah, yeah. He sort of reminds me of a bit like um, about like a Hatem Banafa, where he yeah. shows that flash, and you're like, oh my god, this guy is going to be the next big thing. And then he's like, yeah, oh, actually, he likes McDonald's too much, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is absolutely nothing wrong with that, because that's uh, how I play my football career. Enough about Tarapto. We're going to go on to. Uh, at left wing, we have got Rivaldo. Oh. Yeah, what, so what a pick! Specifically, 2002 World Cup Rivaldo. And I don't know if you remember the uh, these boots will always stick with me. The uh, the Mizuno Morelia two boots that used to wear the white and the white and blue ones. And my guy, he he was so good in that World Cup. You know, when he's playing along alongside players like Ronaldo and Ronaldinho, like the three R's that they had, I'm not surprised that they won that World Cup, to oh, be honest. Scoring, what, five goals, Ronaldo had like eight or something. And just doing absolute bits. They were so good in that World Cup. They were just undeniably good. Yeah, that generation and, uh, of Brazilian Brazilians were just unreal. Like Rivaldo, yeah. Ronaldo, Ronaldinho... Just unbelievable players. Not been yeah. matched yet, really, have they? No. They set the bar. No one else has reached it for Brazil so far, I don't think. Yeah. No. But um, I, yeah, um... I'll, I'll always have uh, good, good memories of Rivaldo. And I remember distinctly when I was just so, how old would I have been in 2002? I would have been seven, six, seven years old. And I remember my dad coming back uh, with some new bed sheets for us. And, and he bought us... Uh, Japan Korea 2002 World Cup bed sheets, and <laughs> me and my brothers I remember just being so happy at the time. We were just watching footy, just you know, as a kid, nothing better, and just watching Rivaldo. And like I said, those boots, like yeah, just beautiful. They were just so beautiful. And like I think the were, only go on. I was I was just going to say, like you said, he had a fantastic um, World Cup in the 2002 one, but I'm pretty sure in that one, unfortunately. He's known for something else in that World Cup, which is, is the dive. Yeah, yeah. the dive, uh, the, the amazing dive. <laughs> Who is it? Um, Akan Unsal kicking the ball at him. Yeah. With, uh, he kicked it his and, leg, didn't he? Yeah, he kicks it his leg and he goes down holding his face. And I think that's probably <laughs> the only uh, the only bad mark on that World Cup for him, really. If he hadn't have done yeah. that, he probably would have uh, been remembered for his, uh, his goals and not the dive. <laughs> Well, you still remember for the goals, but I think that's, yeah. the, that's the big one in that World Cup, unfortunately. It's it's a moment of Comet genius, though. Yeah. Oh, it's brilliant. It's one of them replayed moments from football history, yeah. isn't it? Where no matter who you talk to, everyone knows the Rivaldo dive after getting hit. Yeah. 
wherever he went, he banged goals in. Yeah, yeah. This that this is mad. This I didn't realize he was this good a goal scorer at Barcelona over five years from '97 to 2002. 157 appearances, 86 goals. That is a hell of a return. That's that's insane. And it's not yeah. like he was an out and out striker either, was he? No, not at all. I'd say like sort of attacking midfield, more like a yeah. winger or winger. Yeah. Sort of towards the end of his career, he sort of dropped off a bit in terms of um, his pace, didn't he? So he became more of a central midfielder. Yeah. I remember seeing him play for Olympiacos against Liverpool the night of the. Uh, oh, you beauty! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Early on in that game, Rivaldo actually scored a free kick. And I remember thinking to myself, like, when he was lining it up, I was like, ah, oh, they aren't going to score this. And I didn't even realize Rivaldo was playing. And then I saw Rivaldo square up and I was like, oh, no, no. <laughs> oh, no. And then he, then he banged it in. And I was like, all right, there you go. Luckily, nice little circle back to Steven Gerrard. Bangs one in last minute. We all win. It's fine. We're not, going, we're not get, talking about Steven Gerrard again. Gerard? <laughs> you brought this on yourself. I didn't. Yeah, okay. You knew no, who I was you, before you did this. You, uh, you slipped that one in, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> I'm good at editing now. It's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Careful, he'll... Uh... It'll go away. It'll start crying. I'll edit you out. I'll, I'll, I'll edit you out completely. Just me, me and Cal. I was going to say, get, get a new co-host. <laughs> right. So from Ronaldo off the team onto your central forward. What we saying? So not an out and out striker. I mean, at one point in his career, he was. But my front three are very interchangeable. I think, and for that reason. I've gone for Thierry Henry. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, absolutely, absolutely no arguments. <laughs> yeah. I The guy was a baller, like straight up. He, he scored goals for fun and effortlessly, again, you know, he's one of those players you used to watch and he'd make it look easy. And yeah, it's just for me, the sign of, a, of, of one of the greats. And obviously Premier League legend, had his uh, career over at Barcelona as well, playing with Messi and and kind of a few of those world class players. But um, yeah, just just his look, his style, his you know th- the way that he was on the pitch, wearing those long sleeve shirts. Yeah, uh, if you remember, like the classic of him, you know that older Arsenal shirt. Yeah, the kind of the yellow, the yellow with the blue collar. Uh, just like that will just, I think he'll just always stick in my mind as just one one of my favourite players. One of the, with the great goal goal scorers and yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah just, that, just love him. Early to mid two thousands, he was I think the best striker in the world, hands down. Like he was just yeah. unbelievable. 100%. Anything 100%. touched turned to goal. Like I said, you saw the long sleeves, you saw the gloves, you saw those mercurial vapors. Game yeah. was over already. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he um like I don't, I don't know if you guys can uh, be, agree with this, but being even being a United fan, United were. Uh, on top of their game at that point whenever Arsenal came up against you you knew even if you were on top of the game you knew he could pull Rabbit out of a hat at any point and just yeah. incredible play and he's, he's he was a hard player to hate you couldn't hate him even though even though he played for a rival team yeah yeah, definitely so, I think- but he's like the kind of the shot creation as well that he that he would have like he, he would be able to make his own shot out of anything and I don't know if you remember I can't remember who it was against but that one goal where he just flicks, he receives the ball at his feet, back facing to goal, flicks it up over his left shoulder on the volley over the keeper. Just like, just stuff like that. And 
you know, yeah. similar to similar to kind of Bur Burkamp in a way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just being yeah. able to just just make his own opportunity without the help of anyone else. And that's how you knew that he was going to be a well a crazy goal scorer. He had everything. That goal was against United, by the way. Uh, yeah, was I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even realise. That. That's staying yeah, in the edit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So um, shout out to Stadio Podcast. Definitely recommend Stadio Podcast to all you football fans out there. They have a uh, topic where they talk about angry goals. Now, Henri was a scorer of an angry goal on this day. <laughs> one of those players where he took it personally. Like if you scored yeah. against them, he'd like, right, I'm just going to go score against you now instead. And I, Michael Jordan yeah. of Premier League. Yeah. One thing I think about him is a lot of people don't really talk about is how quick he is or was. Like, yeah. He had the pace of a winger, but with like the, the coolness and the calmness of like an old school centre forward. He's an unbelievable yeah. player. Well, he started, he started out as a winger, didn't he? Yeah, I think they signed him for Monaco as a winger. Yeah, because uh, United did a similar thing with Martial, but obviously Martial has absolutely not hit the heights that Henri did. <laughs> not quite. No. Yeah. I think that's what they were hoping for. I think one of my favourite things Thierry Henry ever did was when he, he left. He obviously went to Barcelona and then he went to New York Red Bulls. And then there was that trend for a while where, because the seasons didn't match up, a lot of players playing in the MLS would come back on loan to Premier League teams. Yeah. And Henri came back to Arsenal. And in his first game against Leeds, he comes off the bench. I think it was the FA Cup. And then I remember watching it. I think because I, I love Thierry Henry. I always did. He was yeah. like my favourite player yeah. that didn't play for Liverpool. I was like, oh, I want to see what he does. And he looked a bit slow. He didn't really look himself. And I was like, oh, well, this isn't going to go very well for him. And then... Someone just fizzes in the ball on the left-hand side of the box, one touch, slots it in bottom corner, and then just runs around the Emirates with his yeah. arms out. Iconic. It was that celebration, it was that celebration after yeah. it for me, just with all the crowd going mental. Yeah. I remember that. I'm going to watch after this podcast is done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wasn't there the... Uh, was it? What's the uh, thing with him leaning against the post as well that was a meme for a while? Uh, yeah. Do you remember that? Was it was it after he scored or was it was it might have even been when they were trying to defend the corner or something? He's there just leaning against the post. Yeah, like nonchalant, but yeah. yeah. Don't care. It seems to be a theme in this podcast as well that I'm bringing out the uh, the negative sides of people as well. But didn't he knock out Ireland uh, with a handball? Yes. <laughs> I was gonna say that in the, the qualifiers and he handballed it and then passed it into the net, didn't he? Yeah. Passed it across the goal, I think maybe. Yeah, I don't think it was his goal, was it? No, and then they asked him about it, and he was like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like, go on, Terry. Classic. <laughs> I mean, right, well, that's my, uh, that's my starting 11. Absolutely wonderful starting 11. Yeah, incredible. So that starting 11's got a lot of flair. It's got a lot of steel in there as well. You're down 1-0, end of the game. You need a goal. You need someone to change the game. Who are you bringing on as your super sub? So we're rolling it back again to the 2010 World Cup. Sorry, not the 2010 World Cup, the 2014 World Cup. And uh, it's extra time. I'm 1 0 down, or it's 0 0. I need a goal. I'm going to bring on Mario Goetze. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah. my guy hasn't even cleaned that boot that he wore in the World Cup final. Scored to make it 1 0, 100 and some 19th minute or whatever it was. And I'm fair play to him. And what makes it even sweeter about that goal was that um, I'd actually got Germany in sweepstake that year that we were nice. doing at the place I was working. So uh, I was on the train home. I remember going through a tunnel uh, just as, as uh, extra time was starting. No signal, uh, nothing. Get to the other side, call up my dad. 
He's like, yeah, Mario Götze has just scored like Germany have won. I was like, yes, money in the bag, let's go. But I didn't uh, actually watch the game, unfortunately, but um, that that is a player I'm bringing on. Nice. Uh, yeah. And um, go on, what were you going to say? He's one of those players, like that sort of mercurial talent when he breaks through and everyone's like, this guy's going to be generational talent. He's got it all. And then something just doesn't click for him and it didn't really work out for him when he went to Bayern from Dortmund. And then we went back. That was the... That was the mistake in his career, I think, was leaving Dortmund. Yeah. He seemed yeah, to yeah, hit early. the heights at Dortmund and then left. Yeah, and then obviously went to Bayern and then back to Dortmund and then just didn't work out for him. Yeah. Thankfully, big shout out to Mario Goethe. He has gone to PSV and I know I don't know how he's gone on overall, but I know on his debut he scored after about five minutes. So Nice. Hope you bring it back, Mario. We love you. Yeah, How old yeah, is definitely. he? I think he's like 28 now. Is he? He's still got a few years left then. Yeah. I think he's had a lot of a long history of injuries as well. I remember watching the game before that that Germany played the seven-one uh, Germany Brazil, and um, actually watched that game with a handful of Brazilians and a handful of Itali- uh, Italians, a handful of uh, Germans, and I'll never forget that. It was amazing. We uh, our little kind of staff room area. We had these four sofas. And I remember thinking we should definitely make some terrace seat in here. So we got a bunch of milk crates and we stacked the uh, the sofas behind each other. So it was like stand, standard seats. Nice. And um, yeah, we, we were all watching it together and the Germans were loud and the Brazilians were quiet. But um, yeah, what a game. And, you know, I, it was a once in a lifetime opportunity being able to watch that, that game in England with handful of each side supporters and yeah you know it it you don't often get to see that no um, i know you get to see it in the premier league but not internationally and you know you, you see how much it means to them and unfortunately for brazil it is a crazy scoreline but um yeah germany went on to win they they deserved yeah. it and they owe me a bit of money as well which is always nice <laughs> yeah can't argue with that i think um that story just told then highlights how much football is like um not, not. It's so much more than just a game. It's, yeah. It can create memories like that that'll just stick with you for the rest of your life. You know, even if oh, it's yeah, 100. Yeah. So, good job, football. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Okay, Carl. So that was your one to eleven and your super sub. We're going to k- take a quick break before finding out your manager kit, stadium, and name. So, Cal, an amazing uh, start in 11 and super sober, if I do say so. But every team like this needs a manager to match. So, we need a pretty good manager at this point, I think. So, who is managing this team? My manager is going to be, I did say to Drew before this, I'm going to try to keep the Wolves' influence as low as I can. But (laughs) in Nuno, we trust. So, Nuno Espirito Santo is going to be my manager. This is perfectly timed because Nuno Espirito Santo has just been awarded Manager of the Month. He has indeed. Manager of the Month for October. Good run of of, uh, results for the Wolves. And, you know, like I said, in Nuno we trust. Uh, He has revolutionised Wolves football since he's he's come in. And we went through, let's be honest, a couple of shit managers before we, uh, we got Nuno. And I think even at the time he was unproven as a manager, you know, working under Jose Mourinho when he was the substitute keeper at Porto and see when they won the Champions League as well. So he has a bit of history 
for him. And I think that's definitely helped him. And his just his air and his coolness and his kind of collected mind has really set the way for Wolves, I think, in recent times. Definitely. I think you'd find it hard to to find the Wolves fan who didn't think that Nuno was one of the best managers that we've ever had. I know he gets criticised quite a lot from from Wolves fans for not changing the system or maybe not making the substitutes at the right times, not early enough, but he likes his system, he sticks to it. Yeah, maybe we are a second-half team, but um, it seems to be doing just fine for us at the moment. But we'll see how he gets on in the future. I'll tell you another thing he loves. Players from Portugal. He loves players from Portugal. (laughs) He does, doesn't he? What are we on at the moment? I think we're on about either seven or eight. Yeah, I think you're. That's not including the players that are out on loan. I think you're a centre back and a forward away from being a full Portuguese eleven. (laughs) (laughs) Hey man, it's working. It's working. Yeah, and I tell you what though, you find you've struggled to find anyone who didn't agree that he's probably been one of the best managers in the Premier League in the past two seasons. Yeah, yeah. Because if you look at where we where we finished last two seasons, finishing seventh, both seasons, so last season and the season before. And there's no that is no easy feat, you know. Obviously, then last season we had the longest season of any any team in Europe, uh, definitely any team in England. Uh, it was nearly thir- or I think it was over thirteen months that we were actually playing competitive games, and yeah, he, he's he's really been our rock, and you know he's been there for all the players, and yeah, I just love him. There's no other words for it. No, he's a Fair great enough. manager. Fair enough. He's one of those managers where a lot of other teams around you in that sort of mid-table range are looking around thinking, oh, I wish we, I wish he was our manager. Yeah. <laughs> and also, <laughs> iconic look. Yeah. Yeah. Probably the best, would you say the best beard in football? Best yeah. beard in football? Whoa, that is, that is a at the moment, shot. at the moment, at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I crossed off my head. Joe Ledley, there, Joe Ledley, yeah, Joe Ledley. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, oh. so that's your manager. Hit us up with your kit. So, you know how much I love kits, Drew. We both do. Oh, yeah. And uh, there's been a few absolute bangers that we've sent each other recently. Absolutely. But the one that I'm copping above any other's is that Roma third kit from the 1920 season. The uh, navy blue Roma pattern on it, the yellow around the collar, the dark red. Oh, it's just a beautiful kit. And, and Nike have done so well with that. That's definitely one of my uh, one of my standout kits. And uh, I, I don't support Roma, never even watched a Roma game, but I would definitely buy that kit. Yeah, it's absolutely yeah. beautiful. And you are talking to someone who owns a number of Roma kits. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I've got I've got quite a lot of Roma kits. I, I made nice. sure to uh I made sure to buy one when it was um Totti's last season there as well. Yeah, nice. Inside the number because absolute favorite player in the world. Yeah. But nice. yeah, that that away kit, I completely agree with you. It's just it's just looks so slick, doesn't it? Yeah, it's classic, but also not, if that makes sense. It's, yeah. Classic vibes, yeah. but on a modern kit, it's absolutely unreal. Really yeah, is. definitely. They always seem to the be only... nice Nike kits for, for Roma. I always remember classically, yeah. they were a Kappa team, weren't they? They always had Kappa yeah. shirts. 
And when they moved to Nike and they started churning out these unreal kits. Yeah, because yeah, it, it's not like that's even like the nicest one they've had for a long time or anything like that. They just constantly have nice ones now. Yeah. And it's, if you support Roma, it, you're, you're a lucky guy because you're buying that kit every season. No doubt, yeah. you know, it's going to be nice. I, um, what I love about Roma as well is, but this is more to do with the home kit, it's just how um, simple it is as well whilst looking so nice. Like it doesn't actually change too much from year to year like a lot of other kits do. Yeah. It's just got that classic feel about it. Yeah. Love it. It's a good shout. Massive yeah. shout. Excellent shout. I, uh, the only other kit, sorry, just a quick mention of another kit. My instant thought was, uh, do you remember the uh, Juventus away kit? The 2012-2013 season, the pink and black one with the star yeah. on it. Yeah, is that it Black was, Star? Was, yeah. That was yeah. my other choice, but I don't think that was quite up to the Roma standards, to be honest. No, not quite. Italians, isn't it? <laughs> I thought. I thought then when you made that line, though, I thought you were going to drop the, uh, the the mighty Baker's dozen shit. Nah, <laughs> it's nice, but it's not as iconic, is it? I mean, you picked it, so you better think it's nice. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I said it's nice. <laughs> yeah, good, good. Right, so that's your that's your kit. Um, we're going to need a pretty decent stadium for that kit and these players so go on so my players in my kit are playing at Molyneux because I just love the place it's it's the home of football I've been there not the home of football but it's the home of football for me you know and every time I walk up that slow steps and on see the pitch it's just goosebumps and I'm sure you guys have the same for, for Anfield and Old Trafford respectively but for me going since I was a nipper, you know, since I was young, my first game there to then the, the most recent game I watched being the the game where we beat City 3-2 and Doherty scoring the winner and fans falling over each other down the South Bank celebrating so hard. I think that's just, there's so many good memories and I'd, I'd love to see my team go on to produce more memories in Molyneux and just add to the legend of it because it is my favourite stadium and one of the only stadiums I've been to. Yeah, it is one of of those sort of staples of English football, Molyneux. If you say Molyneux, everybody knows iconic stadium. Probably the best in the Midlands, I'd say. Better than St Andrews and the Hawthorns. What do you reckon? (laughs) I mean, Carl's going to agree, isn't he? (laughs) Uh, But no. Yeah, it's it's definitely definitely the best in the Midlands. (laughs) (laughs) No, there's, there's, a, there's a few nice stadiums in the Midlands, to be fair. Villa have got a nice stadium. The old Britannia as well. I'm not sure if it's still called the Britannia, where Stoke used to play. Quite yeah. iconic. Obviously, going down the motorway and being able to see it. Mm-hmm. And then, obviously, you've got the Wals- even the Walsall Stadium. Not the nicest location, but being able to see it every time you drive off, uh, past that certain bit of motorway. Um, yeah. More think- new for me. The Golden Palace. <laughs> Definitely orange. Yeah, I- yeah. I'm not getting into that now. <laughs> I think what you hit on there is is that something we're probably going to find a lot of the time when we're talking about stadiums for people. Most people are going to pick their home ground because you're right. No other ground will make you feel the way your home ground does. Watching your team come out with all the fans supporting the same team, just something yeah. like that feeling, that butterflies before kickoff. I don't think you get that in an away ground as much. Nah, definitely not. No. Great choice. Um, yeah, I think the only the only other way that you might be able to to feel that would be 
you know, watching your watching your national team, like for for England, going to going to watch them at Wembley, or you know, even my, my dad being to watch the um, where Wolves beat Sheffield in the playoff finals uh, at the old Wembley, and uh, yeah, it, it's like I said, he he just has that memory now, and there's a really iconic picture of him and his friends uh, whilst they're there. And, you know, like I said, he's never going to forget that. And yeah. that's what it is for stadiums for me. It's like you go there and you have those moments that you're never going to forget. Yeah, it's, it's more it's more of the feel of a place, isn't it? And it, it can look however it's going to look, but it's more the feel yeah. of a place, which is why uh, when some teams get a new stadium, like West Ham probably being the best example of it, that there's there's not that atmosphere anymore. Um, yeah. It's a different feel to it, then, isn't it? It's yeah. definitely, a, yeah, it's definitely a different feel, Absolutely. isn't it? it? Must take some getting used to. That's why I was always glad that um, Liverpool decided to renovate Anfield rather than move on, because there was always plans for them to move, but then they were just like, "All right, let's just make it bigger." I think <laughs> with Arsenal as well, when they moved from Highbury to the Emirates, they struggled for a long time to get that sort of home vibe at the Emirates. Yeah. It's still not the same as Highbury, is it? It's still not. I, I think it's I think it's because those classic stadiums are more like enclosed, like the fans are on yeah. top of you. Whereas yeah. the new ones, you sit like if you get a ticket at the top of the pitch, then you can just about make out the the players on the pitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like hearing and singing and stuff like that. So yeah, I think it's hard to encapture that sort of home ground vibe from the like the classic stadiums to that of the new like mega stadiums. Yeah. yeah. Because it's like I've you, just... you're trying to find that like heart of a stadium, but it must take some crazy architecture to you know, and, and like what they've thought about it. And like I said, with Wembley, like the the atmosphere of the old Wembley was you know renowned around the world as being one of the best atmospheres you could get at a football pitch. And then having to recreate that must have been such a hard task. Yeah, I think that as well. That's quite apt with Wales. So Wales used to play their home games at the Millennium Stadium or the Principality as it's called now. Yeah. And after a while they realised they weren't filling it and it wasn't really like a, a hard place to come because it's just like coming to a mega stadium. You can't really hear the fans that much because they're so far away. There's not a full ground. So then they decided to move it to the Cardiff City Stadium which is much smaller. Yeah. But it's like that sort of classic the fans are pretty much on the pitch. It's so close to the pitch and the, the sound yeah. you get in the Cardiff City Stadium on a, on a international games is just unreal yeah yeah like um just going back to molyneux uh it says their provisional plans uh to redevelop to a fifty thousand capacity yeah there are i think originally it was planned to be to be done a few years ago but um yeah i've seen like a uh a pro, i want to say prototype but not the right words um like a preview of, of what they want it to look like and it looks amazing and and like i said it was so glad that I plan on revamping what we already have on that special location rather than, than moving it somewhere else, which would be quite easy because I don't know if you've been to Molyneux, but again, right in the city centre, you know, right next to the train station. So all the fans are you know, coming out on game day and, you know, it's just a, it's, it's a special place and yeah. it's an iconic part of Wolverhampton as well. Yeah. I think um, I've seen that uh, plans for Molyneux as well. And if you look at it, yeah. the bird's eye view, it's actually a map of Portugal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right then, Cal. We're going to run you back your choices. Go on. And then you get to name the thing. Right. So you've opted for a 4 3 3 formation. Your goalkeeper is Callum Burton, a player you once played with. 
your defenders, you've got at left back Giovanni van Bronckhorst. There's a special shout out to that wonder goal he scored in the World Cup. There you go. You've got Sebastian Aratia from Los Bravos in New Zealand. You've got Connor Cody, Wolves legend. You've got Alessandro Florenzi from his FIFA card from FIFA 2017. <laughs> okay, so you've gone for a midfield three uh, with a holding midfielder of the Premier League's most played, uh, most appeared player, Gareth Barry. Then in front of him, you have a deadly duo of uh, Johan Cruyff and Steven Gerrard. And then we move on to the forwards. On the left-hand side, we have Rivaldo. On the right-hand side, we have Adele Tarap. And up front, we have Thierry Henry. Yeah, so after all that, your super sub, just for the 2014 World Cup final, we've got Mario Goethe. All of these players managed by Nuno Esposito Santo, all playing in the Roma third kit from 2019-2020 season, all played at Molyneux. So all that remains, Cal, is for you to name this team. Going back to the uh, silkiness and shield you were talking about earlier, a kind of double-edged sword name. I've gone for Ankle Breaker FC. <laughs> ankle Breaker FC. <laughs> Love it. Very appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> like that. You'd be terrified to come up against that team, wouldn't you? <laughs> wouldn't you? Right, well, thanks very much, Cal. No problem. Thank thanks you, for Cal. having me. So, that was Cal Van delivering as Ankle Breakers FC. Very appropriate name for his playing style if ever you've uh, <laughs> seen him play a game of football. A great team. Some fantastic choices in there. Not as many left field choices as we've had before, but some absolutely fantastic choices in there. Yeah, it really was, wasn't it? Um, shall we do what we have done with the last two, anyway? Should we pick... This one's, this one's probably the most difficult out of all of them, actually. Um the best and worst players. Yep. See the past um, two go on. Go on. The past two episodes I've been able to make a joke about that he was obviously the worst player, but this time it's hard. Yeah. Obviously we don't know uh two of the players. Yeah. Just because it was uh, people from Callum's complaint experience. So they're out of the picture. We can't pick them. No. So I'm going to go out and say it's probably Terrapt, is it? Yeah, I would say that too. Yeah. Yeah, he's unlucky there. But I think if you look at their yeah. careers as a whole, you can't you can't put him above anywhere else in that team, really. Yeah. It's it's sort of... It's, <laughs> he, he was a good player, but he, he didn't, like you said earlier in the podcast, he didn't reach the heights that he could have. And also, when you put him up against the rest of that team, he's getting nowhere, is he? <laughs> yeah. Now, the best brings, obviously... Yeah, I mean, there's no point in discussing it because you know who I'm going to say. Well, I know who you're going to say, yeah. Yeah, but I, I won't be stubborn about it. I can see the benefits of other players in this team. So obviously my choice for the best player would be Steven Gerrard. However, I will also accept Johan Cruyff or Thierry Henry. I was going to say it's between them two for me. It's not Steven Gerrard for me, but it's probably because I'm a United fan and there's a bit of bitterness behind it. No, fair enough. I'm, I'm all right. I'm all right with saying that. I'm a proud man. Between them two, I think just because of my age and just because I grew up watching him, it's got to be Thierry Henry just because of how he tore apart the Premier League when he was when he was there. Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. And I, even when he went to La Liga and even in the MLS, it's just a yeah. natural born goal scorer. One of the great disciples of Arsene Wenger. Just a fantastic player. I don't know how he's doing with managing at the moment, but... Yeah, I don't think he's as good a manager as he was a player. But no, that's, no that's, from what I've heard, he's not. But That's quite hard to do when you're such a good player. Yeah. Yeah, I think... And obviously the super sub of Mario Goethe just for that Germany goal. That was an incredible moment. Yeah. You talk about moments in football and that's up there, isn't it? Yeah. So It's just a strange goal as well for how it was scored because obviously Argentina... Yeah. If Argentina had won that, that would have been like Messi's crowning moment. And for that to be taken away by super sub, who actually came on as a sub in that game, Mario Goethe, yeah. take it away from him. So it feel bad for Messi, but it must be such an amazing feeling for Mario Goethe to come on and score the winning goal in a World yeah, Cup he's final. he's never going to forget it, is he? No, absolutely not. <laughs> Manager was an obvious choice for Cal, big Wolves fan. Yeah. Um, so he was never going to be anyone else but Nuno. I was hoping he might sneak in Mick McCarthy. But <laughs> there you go. I don't think he's his favourite Wolves manager of all time. Very, very different managers. <laughs> yeah, just a bit. Can you imagine yeah. Can you imagine Mick McCarthy with Nuno's beard? That is what I'd want to see. I mean, you're good at editing, aren't you? I'm sure you could do you could do something with Photoshop there. Yeah, that's definitely going on there. <laughs> I um yeah, but I, there's no there's no uh, arguments there just for the fact that like I said in the in the podcast, over the past two seasons, he's absolutely bought the best out of every single one of them. And yeah. to the point where He's uh, he's selling them on to Liverpool, <laughs> which I am a big fan of. Um, yeah. May that continue. Yeah. Well, so the, no, for me, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Cal is a bit of a kit connoisseur. Uh, he did mention that we we tag each other and turn each other kits all the time. That is true. Kits and boots. Me and Cal love it. And that kit, I have to say, is up there with the nicest kits around for the past. Yeah. Well, as long as I've been alive. Yeah, 100%. Unbelievable I obviously, kit. I obviously love it for being a Roma kit, but on top of that, it is just, it's slick as anything. Yeah, it really is beautiful. Yeah. And then well, the stadium, and stadium again. Yeah, playing in Molyneux. There was never going to be another choice on that one. So, I love it. I do I do love it. I, do, I was going to say this in the, in the main bit of the podcast. I do love it when a team, because there's some teams that don't do this, that have the colour absolutely all around the stadium right? and Wolves yeah. is one of them uh, the same with uh, you probably say Goodison Park Everton it's just blue everywhere yeah um, yeah well a lot of, a lot of teams do do it but the more it seems more so with this one yeah probably because so, it's such a bright colour yeah so I just want to so Carl's going to listen to this back Carl I've not told George <laughs> what to say George what colour the Wolves play in I know I know what this is going to be I'm assuming Cal says it's gold. You say it's orange. I say it's orange. It looks yes. orange on TV. And so Everything does every. About it looks orange. I say it's orange because it is orange. And if yeah. Cal thinks that's what gold looks like, then he must be really confused at the Olympics when they're handing out the medals. But, <laughs> but that's that's what that's what Wolves say they play in, isn't it? Is gold? Yeah. Because so, if you think about if you think about gold, there have been gold kits in the past, haven't they? Like Arsenal have had a gold away kit. United have had yeah. a gold away kit, and they have been gold. <laughs> yeah. They look a bit exactly. weird on the kit, though. Yeah, so it's a nice orange stadium for a nice orange kit team. I'm not yeah. going to go too much into that one. <laughs> That's just me trying to wind up Cal. Offend our guest. <laughs> Cal will be sitting in his house fuming right now. Screaming. Love you, Cal. Right, so that wraps us up for another yep. week. Another great team there. Getting a good collection of teams going here. Yeah, I'm liking it. It's going very well. Right, so... 
Big shout out to everyone again for listening. We really appreciate all your support. Remember to follow us on all our socials, on Twitter and on Instagram, both at NostalgiaFCPod. And a big thank you as well. We've said it many times, but I'm just absolutely buzzing with it to, you know, our Norwegian fan out there. Yeah. Wherever, wherever you are at the moment. We will find you. <laughs> and we will get you on the show. <laughs> I was going to say, I said we will find you. I sort of felt like Liam Neeson. I had to backtrack there. I was going to say, it sounded like Taken, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, I had to switch gears a little bit there. Yeah, there you go. In a, in a nice way, Mr. Norwegian, or Mr. Mr. and Mrs. Norwegian, we will find you and we will podcast with you. Yeah. I'll I tell you what, when me and Drew found that out, I think it made both of our days. So, <laughs> Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Getting out there internationally. Uh, but again, yeah, we really appreciate the support. So yeah. keep it coming, please. We'll be back again next week with another episode with another team. But for now, that was Callum van Verkoven with Ankle Breaker FC. And what a team it was. What a team it was.